0: Let's take some calls from the request line. Call number one. Hey, man, what's up? This is Dominique from say No. Old Trailer Park. What's up, Dominique? I want to hear that song for the Yeah, Pete Pablo. All right, I got that coming right up for you. Now, shout out the Radio oh. Station that gave you what you wanted. W-Boom-Boom-B, baby. What's you doing? From the front. What's you doing? From the back. Better break it down like that. 24, 34, 46. And what you she'll work she'll work with what to do hi everybody do. welcome back to the be there in five podcast reporting live from my mini microphone while I work as usual some of you said it sounded like kind of a makeshift SM- ASMR a couple weeks ago which I don't hate those girls make bank It's super creepy feels borderline illegal for many of the young ladies that so choose to do this with their high school part-time career. But um, hey, if I can soothe you while you work with the sounds of me painting, rapping, chasing after the dog, removing all the squeakers from his toys, I'm, 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 happy, to, I'm happy to be of service. Okay, so now I'm talking on my regular mic and I'd argue that my, the shirt one is better. I just was doing like a test to see if like I could walk around and talk. And do this I don't know. And I think I like the alternative better. Um I had to add in my song, obviously, as you maybe are were alarmed to hear, Freak-a-leak by went P. Pablo. And I I I chose the song for no other reason than that it puts a smile on my face and it's 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 it, it it transports me it's a time capsule. It transports me back to a time of listening to, you know, jayquan's tipsy chingy's right there Lil john's get low uh juvenile i mean if it was, if it was on the save the less dance soundtrack if it was a popular rap song when we were in high school in a top 40 mainstream sense so i'm not gonna sit here and pretend like i have sophisticated taste in music and know what actually good rappers produce if it was popular back then it makes me smile we live for these songs we power hour to these songs it's uh You know what, maybe it's Thanksgiving around the corner, thinking about how Wednesday's the most popular night of the year to go out, and I would absolutely never in my hometown, but it's nice to reminisce, nonetheless. And uh, I thought, you know, uh, I I, I picture any of you in your car or on the subway or whatever, putting on your headphones, putting on my podcast, and being greeted by Petey Pablo to be an absolutely delightful thought, and I hope it was met with your own equal delight. (laughs) I'm going to go back to my other mic, though. Hold on. I um, am Kate, loner, loser, and complicated wreck. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) Every time I say introduce myself, lately I've been thinking about the holiday because, you know, tis the season. And when uh, Cameron Diaz is talking to Kate Winslet on the home exchange site that makes MS-DOS look like, you know, virtual reality levels of sophistication, that's what she says to herself about herself and you know I'd argue Amanda Woods is pretty successful other than her you know douche of an ex with that really high-pitched voice that was also in 27 dresses whose charm and just general gravitas does nothing for me or lack thereof um you know God, that's the perfect movie. I've talked about that many times. My sister and I just recorded a Patreon episode over the weekend. Uh, Kate and Kelly's holiday extravaganza. Talk about Christmas movies. <laughs> we talk about holiday Hallmark movies. We talk about Christmas songs. Very exciting stuff. Hopefully we will go up later this week. I know you're just dying to know what I think of Tim Allen's The Santa Claus. Spoiler, spoiler alert, the most magical depiction of the North Pole that exists. Anyway, I uh, speaking of holidays, I was met with some controversy over the weekend, and I didn't see it coming. I seldom do. It's usually the more innocuous comments that blow up my inbox, and I feel ridiculous saying that because I cannot even imagine with somebody that actually has a lot of followers. I, I, you know, I'm I'm what they call a nano influencer and um, I'm just kidding, I think, I don't know. Um, Actually, I heard nano influencers are a thing and now companies are sending stuff to people with under a thousand followers, just assuming that like a lot of products a micro level, like, you know, is really gonna ramp up awareness because you're kind of like, damn, she got, You know a free jar of peanut butter and she has under a thousand followers like she is crushing it i want to do that how do i become an influencer maybe if i buy peanut butter and talk about it then they'll reach out to me and then you know such is the manufactured facade of a life cycle of a product that people pretend to like in effort for promotion that nobody actually functionally uses much like vanity planet face brushes i assume (laughs) um but anyhow i was uh let me get my paint out I was uh, flipping through Instagram on Saturday evening, and I was pretty tired. I did a, uh, like, what's it called? I guess like a holiday pop-up over the weekend, um, which is fun. I have very mixed feelings about, um, like, activation-based in-person events, very hit-or-miss. Like, trade shows are so much work, and then sometimes they're poorly attended, your spot really matters, it's very hard, like, it, it, here's the thing, if I go into a retail store, and I see an attendant walking toward me to ask if I need anything, I, I pretend to drop something, I, I duck, I duck behind the largest rack I can find, I, you know, pretend to be talking on the phone, I'll do anything, to get somebody to not talk to me in a store. And I'll do anything to get somebody not to talk to me when I'm getting a sample of something at a grocery store, any place that sells fast moving consumer goods, a Costco for example. And uh, it's it, it, trade shows and in-person events where you're selling something are like one, one giant Costco sample where the lady's talking to you about, you know, the uh, preparation process of the frozen spinach ravioli and you have to feign a level of engagement that's just not there because we all know nobody really like makes that ravioli but we all know what it is and we're all super stoked for the samples and it's very hard to gracefully exit from a sample-based or even retail-based conversation uh, when you have no intentions of buying. And then, when, you know, sometimes I'm like, okay, I'll just throw this person a bone. I don't know why I keep thinking of going to Express, but I don't really shop at Express. though I will say, I feel like over the years, at least people my age, I kind of forgot about it and wrote off their clothes because they weren't great for a while. But I've found a lot of stuff there in recent years. Like everyone's like, where do you get bodysuits? If you go to Express, you can't find something that doesn't snap at the crotch if you want a good place with a wide variety of sizes, and uh, a clerk that nearly stalks you to the point of, I'm just gonna ask her to snap my crotch buttons next time because she is all up in my grill. And um, when I get out of the dressing room, and I've literally tried on 5,000 things, I, I will, A, I won't go in dressing rooms that don't let me take in as many items as I want. Like, you can film me, I don't care. I'm not gonna steal from you, I just, I would rather like be filmed changing than have to put on back on my clothes, go outside to the ancillary rack, and then put more clothes in the room in like waves. That's so frustrating. I just want to try them all on at once. It's in like, you know how you typically try to stick to items that require you to not take off your pants? or if it if you find an item that requires you to take off your pants you then are like crazily searching for more like dresses and pants and things that'll make taking off your pants worth it (laughs) that's what i do because i hate trying stuff on and um why was i talking about that oh well like yeah because so then i'll like beg to take as many items as i want i already have like complete divots teeth in my dry red skin from holding too many hangers at once and um i'll try everything on and buy absolutely nothing and the person's paid so much attention to me and they're visibly disappointed but i'm kind of like i didn't want you to talk to me in the first place like you started it and i'm sorry for wasting your time but you really should have targeted me based on my shoes and handbag alone i am not a big spender and the big spender items i have i like inherited or bought you know many many years ago when i was a salaried employee JK. I mean, it's not that I, uh, you know, walk around town in Crocs with a Jan Sport. It's more so that my nice bags and stuff are inherited and, you know, I like Aldo. I'm just, my slides aren't Gucci. They're, they're Morona for Target. I'm just a normal person who you know if I do splurge on items it's sure as hell not to you know impress the lady at the J crew so you know it's really a thankless process and again why am I talking about this? (laughs) Oh in-person events so when you do an in-person event you just watch everybody come up to the booth stand as far away as they can as as possible while still being able to see what's there and if they're interested or not before they you know move forward and i'm a person that like i i generally will wait to talk to you until you talk to me but then if you're a person that really you know wants me to engage i look a little bit rude but then i think i get gained some like booth credibility with people that don't like aggressive salespeople. and i'm not aggressive at all I, i'd sooner talk you out of buying something i did than than buying it which is you know i need to work on <laughs> But I, it was fun to. I was selling. We were selling my book and um, my illustrator's amazing illustrations. You should check her out on Etsy, uh, Victory Paper Company, and her on Instagram at Tori Contio and she is a doll and a better salesperson than I ever will be. And I just was getting a kick out of how it was like a in person focus group about my book, and and reinforced what I already knew in that you either really get it or you really don't. And if you really don't get it, I just prefer you not be like, I don't get it, explain it to me, and then have me further dig myself a hole of you know contemplative misery for having created something that's too topical or maybe targeted to a tight demo. I really tried to make it as universal as possible so if you were, you know, my mom or a 13 year old, you know, karaoke app music star on Musically, you would think it was funny. And the content is, but I guess that the the overarching theme of the book, the parody aspect, I think it was what was the problem. Because the second I'm like, oh, you know, nursery rhyme characters, Mary had a little scam, little Miss Muffet's hawking curds and whey protein. By the way, if you're new here, I'm sure I don't know I'm amazed if you made it this far I, I wrote a book called Twinkle twinkle social media star that's coming out this week actually shipping November 25th arrives by November 28th for anybody that pre-ordered we finally have a date I did not post up my podcast from last week because I find out found out there was another week delay right before I recorded it and you, you just I don't need to spread those vibes over these here airways I'm over it now um, it's it's been an interesting evolution of uh, You know, you get excited for something, you get jacked up, you get all ready, everything's in the pipeline, you're locked and loaded, you're gonna go to market, and then you're like, "Eh, let's just wait. Not sure how long, but you know, just just hang back. chillax. It's not like your career rides on it or anything. And then I just like sit here and pace and write ragey emails that I never send. What was I saying? Oh, people just don't get um the concept of giving, like, a mom a joke book about joke advice for kids is more the issue. So it's like, I need to start with, are you familiar with Go the F to Sleep? Are you familiar with All My Friends Are Dead, Good Night, iPad? There's a few heavy hitters in the category. Now Stephen Colbert, who so conveniently decided to write a book in a month. So, anyway. Hey, Pig. I call him Pig because he's kind of like my Piggy Smalls. Has anybody seen or heard from Piggy Smalls lately? Ariana Grande and Pete Davidson's Pig. Pretty worried. I think... Somebody needs to call animal control and just do a wellness check to make sure that the pig is still thriving and it's still in its pack and play that everybody thought was for a real baby. And, uh, you know, I just, I I don't really understand how people that are so famous and travel so much have so many pets. And I know that they have a lot of staff, but like, do you really want people all up in your house in your personal space while you're gone? Like somebody would have to be there all the time to take care of your five dogs and your pig and all of your hair pieces. It's just, it seems like a lot. And I just, I feel like it's so hard to trust people and so many people like sue people. I was listening to um, Jeff Lewis live and he was talking about how his surrogate's suing him, well, what he's, you know, his comments were inappropriate on his show and I just don't think he read the room. It wasn't funny, we get it. You're not attracted to women but you don't need to like bash the woman who's delivering your child so graciously, so miraculously. and then Chaz Dean was on the show and he was saying that his assistant best friend confidant of like 10 years was like gradually stealing from him over her from him over time. Like would go to Nordstrom, buy him wow. a pair of shoes, and then like buy herself a bag, and it was like incremental amounts over time that you kinda don't really notice. Like, if you're not super particular, like I wouldn't notice a few dollars here and there on a receipt. Like, but if you have a lot of money, I'm sure that even gets worse. Um, And, uh, you know, who else has gotten sued recently by, like, a former assistant? I feel like I've just been hearing a lot about, um, you know, betray. Oh, Meghan Markle's aides. She said three people leave in six months in what would it be a coveted job, you'd assume? You have real insight or an opportunity to shadow a woman who is truly taking on the world, reshaping the royal family, like them or don't, hate that they, you know, eat up tax dollars or don't, that you can't, you know, deny their influence and she has a real opportunity here, not only as an American, but as a biracial woman, as a woman who was divorced prior, as a woman who wants to do a great deal of service in more feminist arenas, maybe get a little bit more political, which the royal family historically is very agnostic to. I'd argue that feminism is, it it doesn't, it doesn't have to do with politics, and you think you can tout equality independent of your political affiliations. My God, if you can't, what's wrong with you? Um, But, you know, I just think it's wild that she's had two aides leave, or three aides leave. I think one was technically Harry's. And there's two schools of thought with this whole situation. It's, uh, you know, maybe she had a better opportunity to be paid better for better hours for what works for her and her family or for what will give her the best career opportunity. That is like (laughs) a normal, kind, respectful reaction. Uh, But, you know, there's once as an offshoot, twice as a pattern. Three times is a problem. That's not a saying. Lao Tzu didn't say that. I don't know where, why I'm t- what I'm talking about. But you know what I mean. It's like uh, twice I'm kind of side eye. Three times I'm like Jesus. Well, this is this is like people are. There's an uprising happening in the House of Windsor, it seems, and I need to get to the bottom of it because Megan's not dumb. She's had staff for probably a long time. She's had publicists. She's had stylists. She had a crew on suits. Her dad was crew on soap operas growing up like she i I would imagine she knows very well how to treat people and she does seem extremely polite and i feel like you it's hard yes some people are divas in hollywood but also a lot of people sure there are divas in hollywood but i also think that while you're working your way up you gotta be pretty nice or no one's gonna work with you And like, I imagine you don't become a diva till a certain point where your fame warrants, you know, a little bit more demanding behavior. And also the Daily Mail article that called her Hurricane Megan, again, ridiculous, um, was like, she spends her time secretly going to help out charitable causes. She's trying to reform the role to, to make it more modern and relevant to the world as it stands today. Like, oh my God, how dare she lock her up? Like, what What are you talking about? Like, all those, it's, it was like, she texts her aid six to seven times a day. Like, oh my God, that's nothing. That's, that, that, that six or seven texts is on average how long it takes me to get out one story about like somebody that was in front of me in line at the post office and what I like, read over their shoulder on their text messages it's probably like a juicy story I'm like texting my sister about I don't know it's like six or seven texts so the people that like work with you dress you do run your schedule like god she sounds like a pure delight so I don't really know who to believe it's an easy narrative to say she's bitchy she's demanding she you know is making it all about her she's ignoring royal protocol so on and so forth but I think there's something interesting about an American being in that role and not having the predisposition to uh, see royal uh, protocol ah. order, etiquette. It's not her default setting. It's something she's having to like modify to understand and modify her brain to think as it's being like right or has some sort of logic or reason. because I think British people like really get it. Like, the queen is just, like, a, like a, an important part of the country. She's an important figurehead. Either, and I think, like, there's just kind of this default level of respect. But, like, to me, she's kind of just, I don't know, a person I've seen in the news throughout my life. And I just, I, I respect her. And I think she's interesting, especially after watching The Crown. But I don't necessarily revere her. And I wouldn't necessarily be, like, there's a lot more people that would blow my mind if I were in the room with, besides the queen. And I think a lot of people would really be deeply moved and mesmerized if they were in a room with the queen but frankly I'm not that interested in being in a room with somebody who you can't speak to unless you're spoken to first much like me at an express and I am not really impressed by like somebody whose entire life is measured by their ability to maintain a certain level of uh, poise apathy and you know lack of opinion or interest in anything that really feigns some resemblance of a personality that's not that's not what i look for in somebody i admire now that's why i think kate middleton so interesting because she's a normal person that didn't grow didn't like grow up with those rules but she's familiar with them because she's you know an upper class person that grew up in the uk but i think it's very interesting to have to You know kind of fundamentally change all of your instincts no matter who you are so even though she's not able to show much personality I still think I still think it's there and sometimes like if you watch um, when they surprise somebody on radio in the UK for heads together the mental health campaign um, uh, you saw a little bit of Kate's personality come out and it was cute she talked about getting takeout talked about uh, what show were they watching Oh, about how they watch Game of Thrones. Um, she's soft-spoken, but I think I think they, as they talked about in their engagement interview, they have a good giggle together, which always has made me laugh. If that's just like literally the most unattractive thing you could say is the word giggle. <laughs> <laughs> Not a fan. Um, anyway, but like the Queen, I don't know, and like I know she's supposed to be regal, and I know she has to be neutral and a figurehead, and like that's her entire role. She can't play to the interests of some it would simply be unfair but like there's there's a little bit of uh, the you know deviant um, modern American in me that's kind of like just because it's the way it's always been done isn't always the best answer and the fact that they didn't modify until 2013 that Charlotte couldn't be before her brother in line for the throne, or that the first anybody beyond the first six people to get married didn't have to ask the queen's permission. So, like, what's so crazy is the first six people still do have to ask her permission. I would say modern would be like, you don't have to ask the queen's permission. Um, so, like, yeah, they're doing the smallest things ever, but it's kind of like The Bachelor, like acting like they're, you know, arbiters of d- diversity and inclusiveness because it, once in, like, 40 plus seasons total of the bachelor and bachelorette they had one black bachelorette like are you kidding we can't praise people who are operating in a deficit (laughs) i mean yes we want to encourage them to keep moving forward but it's like i don't know part of me kind of sees uh how megan could maybe be like like you know yeah you're the royal family yeah this is important yeah you have a lot of assets yeah you you mean a great deal to a great deal of people and historically kings and queens have done x y and z but also the world is changing and nothing great ever evolved without pushback and without you know conflict And I can kind of see how our input might be extremely valuable to the monarchy because it's so insular and everybody, the most of the people who view them and are fans of them and who follow them are people that don't have that baseline understanding of the etiquette and the procedures. And, you know, how can we be respectful and how can they still uh, do the work and the charity and whatever they need to for their country, um, but still be a little bit more accessible uh, be a little less uh, blatant about their privilege and all that they have how can they how, how, how can they be themselves and control their persona in the media to a point that doesn't seem so closed off and like I said inaccessible like I think like it's so insane that it, you know the press is so aggressive that like she got shoved out of that market on her australia new zealand tour in like six minutes like all these people waited all like for days and she was there for six minutes before she was uncomfortable and her security took her out it's megan i'm talking about and um it's it's interesting like i i it, it, i can't even imagine that level of scrutiny popularity uh it's just like so many people thinking you, they know you but you don't know any of them how weird that is the, the pressure of every moment of your life being the biggest moment of someone else's, uh, but also it's like the the way they live kind of drives that because they are so inaccessible and it is so hard to like know anything about them. But then like I guess I you know we know a lot about Taylor Swift. Well, I mean I'd argue we don't, but and she still gets followed in a mob like that. But it's I don't know, guys. It's it's pretty it's it's tough to navigate, and I. Guess my point is, she might be a diva. I do think some of her clothing choices have been a bit much. I, that, that engagement photo's dress that was like 60,000 um, pounds, not weight, British pounds, currency. Um, I was like, and like, what's so crazy is they can't accept gifts. So, like, a normal person that was being styled you know your stylist goes to a showroom or to a designer or whatever gets you clothes you wear them for free in exchange for promotion but they're not allowed to do that and as an actress i'm sure she's very used to just being able to borrow stuff nbd and she wants to look a certain way and support certain designers um but they have to buy it and it comes out of charles budget is what i understand and like you know kate has her high-end choices of course when they go to like balls and formal events and you know i'd argue kate recycles a little bit too much (laughs) because like i think there's a balance right i think you can like do high and low you can do high fashion you can repeat but i think after twice i'm done just because it's to the point now where if you're going to like kind of make fashion a spectacle and like part of your persona you got to be consistent and keep you got to keep me interested after a couple times, it bums me out. Um, but so I'm contradicting myself, but I don't know. I guess what I'm saying is I think I can see uh, how she would feel a great deal of pressure to look a certain way, to wear certain things. Um, that said, I do think that her royal tour wardrobe was fairly botched. I did not like most of the looks. There was a lot of strange vertical stripes and gauzy materials. There was a lot of ill-fitting waistlines. There was a lot of um, dresses that she, I could tell she looked uncomfortable with um, or uncomfortable in uh, solely because I think that it takes a minute to get used to like your changing body. And when you're at the early stages of pregnancy and you have a little bump, it, it's like it doesn't always look like you're pregnant. It's hard to tell. Like you never ever say to somebody, are you pregnant? And like, I mean, I, I, I don't ever, but most people, unless they're, you know, full on third trimester, like very, very obviously pregnant. So she's kind of in that weird phase and I'm, I have never been pregnant and I got some heat on Instagram for saying I thought she was cradling her bump because the, the, these royal fashion photos are immortalized. They, they, they are keep sh- being shown over time. And like, there's more sh- like slideshows of Kate Middleton's clothing than I can even count. And what happens is you see them all and you kind of forget where she worked or what the context was. I have no clue if she was pregnant then or with who, unless it's like very, very obvious. And I kind of thought like, yeah, you know, of course you're going to touch your belly. You're excited. You're growing a human. It's your first child. Like my God, I can't even imagine like all of that, every right to touch your stomach. But when she was doing it in official photos, when everybody else otherwise had their hands in like specific positions. And I think there's like a, like, I thought she was kind of doing it to be like, I'm pregnant in this photo, like just a heads up. I, this isn't ill fitting. Like I don't look weird. Um, it just kind of seemed like deliberate and it's something Kate never really did. So. I don't know. There's a lot of like questions about her, um, bump cradling, but please don't come after me. I have no ill will or intent in saying that. I just mean from my friends and what I know, it's like that, that early stage is a bit weird when your waistline's expanding, but you're not really in maternity clothes or anything yet. Um, anyway, I, uh, why was I talking about that? Oh, Well, I I guess I'm sorry that I don't really have a a definite perspective on Megan's AIDS. A lot of you guys asked me about that, and I just, I really don't know. Like, I just don't want to, like, play into a narrative of, like, a bitchy, controlling woman when she might have really good intentions, but, like, also how much fun in a gossip sense if she really is bitchy, controlling, and crazy. Um, I just don't think she would feel like she, I don't think she'd have the cojones to pull that off in her position. Um, If I were her... And that were my only family, and the rest of my family were estranged, and I, they had so much press about me it had, you know, maybe negatively affected them in a periphery sense, with her family just kind of being garbage, her sister writing a tell-all that she's planning to release at the same time as her baby's born, which is the most effed-up thing I've ever heard. Um, you know, I, I would imagine she's treading lightly, and uh, wants them to be family. I mean, he doesn't want, like, close family on their side? I just... I think we all know from watching one too many Diana documentaries that we, you don't mess with the House of Windsor, and uh, or like you know look at Fergie, her and Aunt Prince Andrew are like so close as ever, but Queen absolutely despises her, so she can't go to any family functions. You just you, no, you, no matter it's like you gotta push back a respectful amount uh, to to challenge people and have productive discussions. Um, it, it, family and friendship is. Nothing if you feel silenced and like your opinion isn't valued and can't be voiced without judgment. Um, but also, you want to be invited back to Sandringham for Christmas, you know? You, you, you want to uh, be in that motorcade where, you know, everybody kind of sees you through the flash of the car window when you're driving to Buckingham Palace. Uh, that's always a thrill. Just trying to figure out from like the hair and earrings alone, and the overcoat, what the vibe is. I, I was so excited when I saw Megan through the car window, and she said she had a boat neck. I knew it was going to be a boat neck. She lives for a boat neck. And honestly, I think that you know part of this tour, she wasn't boat necking as much, and I think she thinks she over boat but that was such her go-to look, and it really works for her frame. That I think she was lost in, in a sea of crew necks and uh, square off, uh, thick straps and um, such a hilarious PR move for her to wear Harry's coat in the forest for their last public appearance. <laughs> like, hilarious, so planned to me, so obvious, but cute nonetheless. Um, and sometimes I wonder if it annoys Kate that she, they hold hands all the time. Because I'm sure she's, she, well, she has stricter rules because she's, um, what's it called, that kind of queen that's, like, not really queen. I forget the name of it. She's, you know, going to be that. But, you know, I'm sure that she, she, I'm sure there's many, many times in her royal, fledgling royal career in the early days that she could have really used a hand to hold and wasn't allowed. And that would upset me, too. Anyway, the whole reason I was talking about this, speaking of controversy with the bump comments, was that I made a, you know, I uh, made some controversial comments over the weekend that were were met with uh, more disdain, shock, awe. Agreement is is a fervent reaction in many senses that I didn't see coming. And this was on the topic of Thanksgiving food. And I'm having flashbacks to last year when I think I said something vaguely similar. Uh, but long story short, I was on Instagram. I was going through, oh, yeah, oh my God, 20, 30 minutes ago, I was talking about how on Instagram on Saturday night I was going through people's feeds. And I was tired because I had just been at this event. And um uh, um sorry. (laughs) And uh Greg had just come back in town. We were both like sleepy, we weren't really doing anything. It was one of those things where like theoretically I wanted to be like out and about, but we we just like were so tired. But then you know, when you're like kind of awake and you have nothing to do and I don't know, just like going through stuff on social media in your own like self induced FOMO. And I could not even believe how many people were at a Friendsgiving It looked cozy AF. So many evening wear sweaters, so many, you know, fresh blowouts with paired with a nice turtleneck, so many pies, so many gorgeous table settings with place cards. People have really upped their Friendsgiving game. I feel like when it first started, it was like a very casual drinking function. It was like, let's put aside the solo cups for a hot sec on the beer pong table and, uh, you know, put out some plastic wear and a, uh, the guy with the most money is going to go buy a honey baked ham and uh, everybody bring a side from the Jewel Osco, but these these friendsgivings are elaborate they are gorgeous they are cozy they play games after i mean it, it, people are bringing fine wines and by fine i mean you know price point 9.99 to 19.99 which to me is you know a special occasion that's a birthday and i I was just like, this is Instagram's coziest party that nobody invited you to. It, like, it's I could not even imagine all of the people in the world that night sitting there looking at Friendsgivings that weren't at one f- just feeling so the opposite of thankful for their life situations. <laughs> Because the problem with Friendsgiving is that the the real Thanksgiving, A, the the word combos don't really make sense because you're literally doing the opposite of giving people friends. What it's really doing is celebrating the insular friend groups, the impenetrable uh, friend groups of America and i'm okay with that I've, i i'm in several impenetrable friend groups just not location based they're not here in chicago and i i, I live for an exclusive crew um but in cities th- those friend groups are very hard to penetrate and i've been to you know you go to different functions and you have a great time but you know it, it's you're never you're never going to be an og and um, what I find so funny about Friendsgiving is that like there's usually like a pretty tight invite list and you know you gotta manage the sides so there's no duplicates on the spreadsheet you have to really trust people in their food, food prep style and that they'll you know really do justice to all of the dishes that in isolation aren't exciting but together really you know make a big difference and um, actually that's where I got in trouble is that I said I think I said like Thanksgiving is a party where every underwhelming side I've ever had is invited. Uh, oh, I forget the wording, whatever. It's not a funny joke in and of itself, my, but my point was it's there. It's a bunch of food that I'd never eat any other day of the year, that isn't exciting any other day of the year. I I, I just really am never Jones and Fern Ambrosia salad. I'm really never looking for stuffing. I, I don't want to get myself in further trouble. In general, stuffing doesn't excite me, and I just want to say once and for all: a lot of the backlash I got was people being like, "You need to, you need to get better uh, cooks. You, you're, you, you have no idea what Thanksgiving food tastes like." I, and I just like to say, I have the honor and pleasure of going to some of the finest Thanksgivings around. I have very talented relatives, in-laws that cook amazing food, and I love every minute of it. It has nothing to do with their preparation. It's that I just don't think the food dishes are exciting. Like just because if, if I went to like Le Cirque and ordered their world famous Chilean sea bass and didn't like it, it's because I don't really like white fish. I don't eat white fish that much. I don't like how it tastes. And even if somebody prepared it perfectly, it still wouldn't be my, my, my number one choice, best meal of my life. You can not like a dish even if it's prepared well, I'd just like to clarify with the world. So it is no offense to anybody I've ever, you know, broken bread with on Thanksgiving. What I mean is, it's just like, I'd get excited if it was a feast of Chinese food, of of wings, of Wendy's, of steak, of beef stroganoff, of uh, an Italian pasta feast. I'd get excited over, you know a low country boil a a pizza like there's so many foods that if we're talking feast and we're talking feeling grateful there there are some foods in this world that you know when you hang your head to say grace over you are so freaking grateful to dig into that you're you're hungry you're ready you it's you know what i mean that feeling of just like you've been waiting for this meal. And that's what I feel like would be a really great thing for Thanksgiving to do, just so we're all like in that mode of gratitude. Whereas I kind of feel like everybody's looking at how much I put on my plate, not only for portioning out, for leaving some for the rest, but also someone always comments every year that I didn't like take some dish, and I'm like, well, I don't want it. And also, if everything's so good, why are you pouring gravy all over it? Like, no food that is good on its own ever needed. To be covered in sauce, and that is a fact. Sauce is the close friend of a more bland food that needs a helping hand. And I just don't really understand Why it's so offensive to say that I don't think green bean casserole on its own is is something I would, you know, eat on a spring Tuesday. I don't really understand why, you know, it offended people so greatly that I said I wasn't as interested in, uh, you know, stuffing. It's like how how many neutrals can we put on a singular plate besides cranberry, which I also have thoughts on uh, that I'm not going to share because I know many of you are very passionate about the Cancran, which I learned a lot more about this weekend. Um, But I don't know, guys. I'm sorry if I offended you. I want to clarify that, you know, it really was more about Friendsgiving, and I've really, you know, it's interesting how people choose to prepare things. I can't even believe how many Friendsgivings I've been to with boxed mashed potatoes. That's not a commentary on income or affordability or whatever. It's a commentary on if you're going to sign up, if you're going to sign up for a, 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 first string dish you need to bring your a-game you need to be the best in the group at that particular dish and I just you know it's it's tough when people sign up for things and they may think that they're like really great at it or have this like epic family recipe but it's very canned it's very powdery it's very dry it's very and it's not that it's bad you know it's just different and I and I think that People need to figure out what they do well and stick to it when it comes to potlucks. And just don't take somebody else's opportunity to make a glorious truffle mash or a, a, or a you know, garlic creamy mash or a whatever. You, a, I love a horseradish mashed potato. I, I just, I need flavor. I need flavor. I need, I need flavor and I need creaminess. Um, I, I need to be able to eat the potato on its own with or without gravy and still feel like it's a good use of my time. And that's all I'm really asking for is for, you know, the food to to be stand out on its own on Thanksgiving and not require me to mix it all together and dump gravy on it. There are a few there, and yes, some are prepared well prepared well, and there are a few exceptions. I love macaroni and cheese. I love rolls. I love putting butter on rolls. I, I love all all forms of of, of a t- potato. America's most impressionable food to its sauce environment. I love. I don't know. It's like i'm not a monster i'm just a girl standing in front of a microphone asking you to consider that a feast comes in many forms and we don't all have to think the the same thing is worthy of of a holiday and um i'm sorry for anybody i offended (laughs) i'm listening back to that now and it's like was that my celebrity iphone notes app screenshot apology i mean I guess to be fair, are you really famous until you've had to apologize in the notes app? But I uh I can tell I'm not sorry. <laughs> Just listening to that. It's the next day. I'm on my um normal mic again. I'm sorry for the volume adjustment. But um yeah, I wanted to finish up the podcast and um if this is the scandal I need to to get myself to the next level for my book, then I'll I'll take it. it one of the quatrains in my book is I'll take care of you, sweet child. I'll find you a scandal. Because while you were in the womb, I registered your handles. Because the mom knows in advance, the best chance you have of survival in this biz is a scandal. (laughs) I'm JK. A scandal would literally rip me apart, eat me alive. I couldn't handle it. I I have an incessant need to be liked. And I'm always thinking I'm in trouble, even though I didn't do anything. Truly, every time there's like a police siren on my block, I'm like, what did I do? I've never done anything. I'm like so scared of everyone and all the time. So I'm not the best candidate for a scandal. I just I know all press is good press, but in a in a, in, ba- in a time of bad press, you will see me. Well no, you won't see me. I, I will hide for days, months, however long it takes. I will go in the woods and that says a lot because I hate the woods. Hopefully Taylor Swift does too. Looking forward to her getting out of them. And um I just, you know, I'm not the best candidate, I guess, for a scandal to rock my book release, but I guess this Thanksgiving one is as uh anticlimactic as uh having a turkey as your centerpiece for a meal for example not to dig myself a further hole but i mean truly guys white meat what you put on a sandwich what jimmy john sells uh, a bird that's incredibly difficult to eat and whose taste does not warrant the amount of preparation and i've had good turkeys guys i really have i just I, in in the, in the world of meats i I feel like uh, cameron diaz again in the world of love ethan (laughs) in the world of meats go red or go home if we're talking special occasion and that's all that's all i have to say about that in the meantime i was also graced with the presence of another carly claus wedding photo and if you want to know how i feel about that uh listen to the episode entitled not my tennessee values and um you know, there's still not people there in the same photos with Carly and Josh. I am still only seeing Woods. I am still only seeing what I th- looks to be a very last-minute thrown-up glam look with kind of a cheesy veil. It, like, obviously, she's gorgeous. Obviously, Dior's not going to make anything that's a piece of garbage. I, I I again I like Carly Kloss for what she's trying to do for her brand and for women and for STEM and for being a lot more than a model. I just don't the, the 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 circumstances surrounding the wedding are just so weird to me. And I'm I'm hoping slash maybe not hoping that the rumors about the her being in the January issue of Vogue are legit because that would make sense as to why they're withholding photos. But still, you can withhold your nice photographer photos, but still, like, post a really cool artsy or, I don't know, nice shot with the family or or friends or, like, just show some chairs. Like, she did, like, a weird shot from upside down of a hoppa. But, like, again, there's no one else there. And the whole thing is just confusing. And one thing I noticed this week is that, okay, so... The week of Carly's wedding, I was listening to Michelle Collins on Sirius XM. The episode starts with Ashley either getting a cough drop or taking a sip of water. And unsolicited, she's just like, <clears throat> oh, sorry, sorry, really struggling. You know, I had too much tequila. I was at a wedding. And, and Michelle didn't even ask her why she felt bad, what was wrong with her throat, like anything. She just followed through the information I was at a wedding and like michelle asked what wedding she's like oh um you know and then like obviously just carly claus's wedding and then she said like uh that all the people there were um like she didn't really know most of the people there all she knew is that they were really really rich and like ashley and carly are friends but like i wouldn't say they're as close as like a Jordan Dunn or a Lily Aldridge or one of Serena Williams is like one of the people she time when she got engaged that wasn't at her wedding I just I don't know there's just so many weird there's a lot of weirdness about who was there and it was small but anyway so Ashley Graham like when this was happening that week volunteers that information on the radio she was out promoting her podcast and I thought okay that was kind of strange because usually your goal is to keep it completely under wraps, play coy, change the subject. The fact that she leaned into it is very strange, especially if this wedding was so intentionally secretive because the Secret Service was involved or something because of Ivanka and what's-his-face, the older one, Jared. Um, but then last week, I noticed a little something on SB Projects, which is Scooter Braun Projects, in that they've hosted, when Ashley Graham's podcast came out, as to advertise it as if it's a Scooter Braun project and I was like whoa that's actually big because I've I this whole time I've been looking for people that were talking about or attended this alleged wedding to see if what affiliation they have to her or to Josh or to business or to whatever to figure out the like invite list and I I just think it's a little bit interesting that one of Scooter Braun's now we know puppets went on the radio and volunteered the information about the wedding it's like i just can't unsee these things i had no idea that he was affiliated with ashley graham but i'm telling you if i could record this part of the interview it was weird but i can't Sirius doesn't let you screen video grab which is very smart actually i still can't believe you can do it on youtube and quite frankly it's a gift but i um I don't know, guys. Just adding fuel to my fire about this be, this whole thing being uh, the, the most strange of circumstances. And uh, Scooter Braun effectively runs the world. I still am not really past Pete and Ariana either. Like, what, like the whole thing. Oh, was it all for nothing? What was with the intensity? Why the immediate engagement? Couldn't they have just dated? Even if Pete's impulsive, I don't know. Pump the brakes. We know Scooter introduced them. We know that not only... Was sweetener and her as a person, like so on the map, like Taylor Swift levels of on the map this summer as a result of this romance, but also as a result of the breakup, she gets her first number one Billboard hit. I had no idea that, like, problem, break free into you, I didn't know those weren't number ones. I think Bang Bang might have been, but I guess that was technically Jesse Jay's song. But, like, guys, for Thank You Next to chart to just skyrocket and be her first number one as a result of this highly publicized breakup that her manager of a guy her manager introduced her to is pretty odd and i feel like pete's adjusting well given everything and you know i won't name names but i did have a dear friend who so kindly alerted the facebook group immediately that she was in a doctor's office waiting room with one pete davidson and that he did make a joke to the reception staff about how he needed to get had to redo his paperwork because he you know moved and like, I think she said he kind of laughed, which it's like, geez, buddy, like, do you need to milk this breakup anymore with the with the receptionist? Like, we get it. You moved in with your mom. But like, did you? I, I guess we'll never know. I did ask if he did, in fact, have that BDE everybody talks about. And, you know, I didn't gather from her that she really thought he was like, usually people are so much famous. People are so much better looking in person than they are on TV. Um but I didn't gather from her that his BDE was really, you know, outstanding. I, I do think he's quite lanky and tall, and with that, you know, blue hair. I don't know. I'm never really like Jones in for a dude that looks like Thing One or Thing Two. Not really my jam. So anyway, what else is what else is going on? I hope you enjoyed this episode. I feel like I don't really know what I talked about. A lot of Meghan Markle, as per usual. And I guess I should clarify too. I was thinking about it afterward. I was like, I don't want people to think I have no respect for like protocol or customs. I just mean that um, customs are hard when you didn't grow up in them. So then you're adapting them as an adult and they're not a part of what feels like your DNA as they are for so many people. And it's kind of like watching 90 Day Fiance when um, the guy from Samoa is in the grocery store laughing at the packaged meat because like he killed his own animals and he like knocks a coconut not a coconut he knocks a cantaloupe on his head he's like not wearing i think he wasn't wearing a shirt i might be making that up it was truly like mimi siku from tim allen's jungle to jungle Uh, like in real time in real life in 2018 and um it's all very it's all very confusing and um i don't want to make fun of him for it because if you grow up killing your own meat and we like Fatten up our meat and like fill them with hormones and like corn and stuff that they can't digest, only for their flatulence to negatively affect the environment. And then, you know, mass produce and package it up and put it in like a weird uh, styrofoam black plating with some saran wrap and price it at a very high premium when you could previously just go out back and, you know, shoot your dinner with a bazooka if Jungle to jungle's anything like real life. I don't blame you for thinking it's weird. <clears throat> God, another tangent. But uh, yeah, I just think like it, it might be easier to push back or perceive that you think you can push back or trivialize the need for a protocol when it's just not something that's like really ingrained in you. And for the the rules, like no painted nails and you know wearing pantyhose and like you can't take selfies and all that stuff, I just kind of be like, come on, you with the times, QE two. Wasn't that the name of the boat from The Parent Trap where um, Elizabeth James and Peter Parker, <laughs> no, Peter Parker, is that Spider-Man's name? Uh, if, if you're into, I was about to say gaming. That's not it either. If you're into like comic books, <laughs> you're probably rolling your eyes. Nicholas Parker. Um, you know, uh, ever since that movie, I thought about just, why did the Concord grow, go away? That really sounded like a delightful a flight you could get New York to London in like you know five minutes if it there's some tragedy surrounding it or some major mechanical issue and it's a you know news blind spot I have pardon pardon that comment I um thought to myself before I'd ever had a sip of wine I knew that vineyard life was the life for me the second I laid my eyes on Chessie and uh, Martin the uh, Annie's butler in London I thought. I would. I, I need help. I would love to have help. I would love to have a best friend that also does my laundry. What a dream. What a life. <laughs> I would um, also say that I, I'm. I, I would actually live in either scenarios very happily, I, whether Elizabeth James flat in London with her bridal shop with the weird top hats. Or at Nicholas Parker Vineyards. And I I let Meredith Blake stay there because, quite frankly, she's an inspiration. And she was an important figure in my childhood. And um, I can't even believe that she was supposed to be like in her 20s. It's kind of like Cameron Diaz in My Best Friend's Wedding being like in college. We think these people are so old then we realize they're not at all. And especially in Meredith Blake or Clarice Kensington from It Takes Two, sake two great blonde villains from the 90s with very sharp features, a necessity for a great villain. You realize they don't really have the grounds to be bitchy because they're very young. They don't work. They just like are pretty and mean and like come into a wealthy guy's life and manipulate him and like take his money. But I don't know. In like both cases, like I guess Callaway Cellulars was a big deal. I guess the vineyards cool, but it's not Nicholas Parker isn't like a titan of industry. He just you know has a has a cozy sitch in Napa. And uh, it's a real missed opportunity for Disney to not, to not have bought a vineyard and to have made that vineyard in real life. Just like it's a real missed opportunity for the guys that do that show on the History Channel called uh, "The Curse of Oak Island," the bane of my existence, aka the show where they're never going to find treasure, but it's a genius format because they're going to get they're going to get unlimited seasons because they're never going to find the treasure, so it can't wrap up. <laughs> and every episode, they're just like. Oh, we heard there's some rubies by a pine cone. I'm like, no, there's not. The Holy Grail is not Nova Scotia. I-, I think that ship has sailed. Um, but apparently they own this island and they just like dig it up for a living. And I, I just cannot imagine how their spouses feel like l- looking for buried treasure and never finding anything. But anyway, th- they own a w- uh, winery in uh, m- uh, Northern Michigan near Traverse City which is a gorgeous place to go wine tasting if you live in the Midwest, though inaccessible, frustratingly inaccessible, because I would go all the time if I could. Um, and I think they ha- there's a real missed opportunity for their winery that if you watch the show, you know its name because they wear the shirts to not create treasure maps and kind of hide their winery and have the address unlisted. And for people to come do a tasting is essentially like the Coast of Oak Island. But the problem is, if it was like the Curse of Oak Island, then they would, you know, aimlessly be looking for this winery for about seven years, never ultimately find it, and then, you know, have to give up when like the network runs out of funding for these people because again, no treasure, and you know, then nobody would actually go to the winery. They never get any business with that format. So I guess I take that back. But you know, I still think it would be fun. I would totally go to Nicholas Parker Vineyards. I would pay a pretty penny to go to Kate Winslet's. Cottage in Surrey. I, I, I there's so many movie sets that are so important to me. Um, it's, something's got to give. The Hamptons house, uh, uh, Meryl Streep's Montecito, uh, gorgeous uh, Spanish-inspired rustic bungalow of a kitchen, and it's complicated. And I know I'm getting back into Nancy Myers of a broken record. Let me and Parent Trap is also Nancy Myers. So uh, and so is holiday. I wish I could find another person whose movies I just so I like so it was such reckless abandon <laughs> that's not the right phrase that I just like no matter what. Like I, there's so few people in cr- content creators that I just like empirically trust that I know it will be good. And I know it will be my taste and I know it will be like what I need. And uh, you know, if any of you listening to this could feel like you have a good grasp on, on what I like, let me know if you ever like know of a movie or TV show or music or something that I would like. Cause some days I feel like I'm running out of content. And unfortunately, content fuels my content. And without that, I will just continue to talk about things like how I get frustrated when there's one vegetarian in a work meeting and then they order five vegetarian sandwiches. Only to have the latest person to the meeting, me, be stuck with the bean sprouts and cucumber and the weird cream cheese that does not taste great on a gritty whole grain bread. And I talked about this on my Patreon last week. So, you know, friendly reminder, if you want more riveting content like that, go to Patreon, com slash be there in five. And if you pledge a dollar a month, you get bonus episodes as close to weekly as I can do it. And um, if you put your address in Patreon, I'm going to try real hard to send you a little something special. Uh, But sadly, a lot of people haven't. Um, And also, if you want to support Be There in Five, like the biggest thing you could do for me to keep doing this podcast is to go to my amazon influencer page and you can like look at the stuff that i buy and talk about all the time and i know it's kind of a weird thing because i'm like an influencer who makes fun of influencers i'm like the the non-influencer but at the same time i make zero money from all of the efforts i'm doing like the first time i'll get paid for my book is in like june i, I mean truly i had like i was up till four in the morning having like a meltdown last night about like how can I work so much and and make a little? <laughs> and it's like, it's like, that's what's so crazy about the world is like, yeah, I have a book coming out. And yeah, I have this podcast that does pretty well, like, it, like, in terms of listenership. And I, I, you know, enjoy my engaged following. And I have so much fun with everything I'm doing, but it's just so incredibly hard to monetize. And it's very stressful. And I know it's my fault to a degree. And I really need to get on the figure out the advertising situation for this podcast but um i'm hoping that in the dead of winter when i hibernate and don't leave my house i um will be able to figure this out post book promo because as you can imagine that's been pretty consuming in a great way because it is such a dream of mine and now that well so when i recorded the first part it was yesterday monday and i wasn't sure what the deal with the books was um and then I got messages from people that they said they had shipped. And I actually got a notification that mine were just delivered downstairs. So it's like good and bad because I was told last week they'd be delayed another week. And I was so frustrated. So then, you know, you, I pushed back, like kind of pitching people and press stuff. And now all of a sudden I need to be like boots on the ground again. And, uh, but Thanksgiving's coming. So I don't know. But, anyways, what I was saying is um, it's interesting trying to navigate a landscape where there's a specific revenue model that i that i'm not really looking for long term. I I don't want to sell products and ads on Instagram. I actually like if it were up to me, I would just talk to you here. I would write, I would write books, I would make content that like has so little to do with my face or actually like me as the product. Like I'm fine with my personality and my interests being the product. Like this is like this is the space I I love and that i'm trying to harness more of because it's embarrassing to say like hey i think i'm interesting enough or my perspective's good enough or i think i have things to say that warrant putting a mic in front of my face that was always my biggest hurdle is like it's embarrassing and it's not universally true and it feels incredibly narcissistic and i haven't done anything that really warrants a career uh, over the airwaves or over the internet or whatever but like, who cares? I just don't care anymore. I don't care if somebody from high school or if my friend or whoever thinks I'm like thirsty or extra or try hard or one of those stupid hyperbole words that I make fun of in my book so they can suck it when they read it and they think it and they're like, oh, am I the problem? I, I just, I just I want to make things I like. I want to create things that inspire me. I want to be relatable to you guys. I want to be honest about where I am and I want to just be able to communicate clearly the ins and outs of what it's like to be in the middle of something that you don't know what it's going to look like on the other side. And I don't know. I don't know if you guys like me kind of like lifting the curtain and being like, it's very hard to make money or whatever. (laughs) Or like if it's frustrating to hear, like I'm being stubborn because I don't want to do like normal Instagram posts to make money. But it's like, uh, I don't know. At my level, I'd probably get like uh, 150, 250 bucks a post. And that just doesn't feel worth it to like lose the trust and interest of people and to sell out. And like, I don't know. It just, as much as I want to get tugboat, more cable knit turtlenecks, I just feel like I need to hold out for figuring out the best revenue model that works for me for the multipreneurial hodgepodge of things I've decided to do. And if I can't figure it out, then I'll have to reassess next year. That's what I decided last night when I couldn't sleep. Anyway, all of that to say, um, the amazon influencer page it's like so nominal and it's like pennies of an order but i think that if you go to it and like then you start and then you shop kind of from there it somehow links back to an affiliate link and um what's also interesting about affiliate links is like the money's so small but in volume like it i don't know it helps i'll get like a 20 dollars gift card here and there but more importantly it's really interesting for me for analytics in terms of just engagement and conversion and what people who trust me at at an aggregate level i can't see like what you buy um specifically unless it's something that i i pointed out but even then i don't know who you are i just know how many people bought it i'm just very obsessive about data in that sense and i've i i feel very uncomfortable like pitching myself to people without having very concrete evidence that this is something that could produce some sort of return, even if on something vague like engagement or awareness, and um, so that information is so helpful to me because it it will enable me next year to paint a picture of okay, this past year I really focused on building an engaged audience and uh, navigating how to speak with the level of honesty and uh, selective irreverence that toes a line of hopefully not being offensive that talks about celebrities in a manner that maybe isn't always flattering but tries to shed light on maybe the what i perceive to be the truth of how they use the public's opinion and public relations to their advantage i i'm trying to figure out how to be me in a world that wants to control your voice and what you say if you want to get paid and that is not something i figured out yet and i've kind of figured out other stuff in life so i keep hoping i'll figure this one out but as of now you know i haven't (laughs) sorry that was so drawn out but anyway yeah the amazon influencer page is super helpful patreon is super helpful just you know if you want me to keep podcasting just tell a friend leave a review share it on your instagram story share it in one of those facebook groups for those giant podcasts that you know i'll i can't even hold a candle to and like in the spirit of thanksgiving i just want you to know if you listen to this and come back every week and you've met or you've messaged me on instagram or you're in the facebook group or you left a review you've told a friend you've shared it on your social media like i all of you that talk about me that promote me that support me that say nice things about me that message nice things to me I see you I really do I see you and I remember you and I notice and even this past week I have a folder of screenshots of messages people have sent me and I'm not going to be emotional that have meant so so much to me um just in terms of like I watch and listen to things all day every day You know how often I reach out to the person to tell them not only that I liked it, but specifics about what I liked? Hardly ever. And this whole experience has completely changed my perception of, of what that means and what that does. Because in my head, I never wanted to be like thirsty or blowing smoke or seem weird. But like we're all people and we all need feedback and we all need reassurance. And I think that it is so incredibly cool when a stranger reaches out to another stranger just to say something nice and that's the aspect of social media that doesn't get talked about enough and that's the part i talked about in my how i built this episodes or um, part 2b where you can trivialize it all you want but so much of the communication and the feedback and just, just daily dialogue whether i have a chance to respond or not I see it. I love it. I'm obsessed with it. It means the world to me. You're never creepy. You're never crazy. And it brought me back to life, truly. And I had felt so de energized and so apathetic for so long um, out of my own doing because I let myself get to a place where the fear was stronger than the curiosity that I have nothing to be afraid of. And I would never ever have started this podcast or written this book if it weren't for people along the way saying there's something here. I think you're funny. I think you could be something. I think you have a unique perspective or this has really helped me or I'm not seeing this anywhere else or just like the specific things you guys have said to me over the past year are not lost on me. They've meant the world to me and ultimately led me to be able to pursue one of my uh, dormant skill sets in poetry, uh, 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 a gift that just seemed void of any commercial use this day and age, and it's it's just truly the wildest thing to me how everything comes full circle, how you find your way back home, and I don't mean home in a physical sense. I mean home in an in- interior sense, and in, in terms of what makes you feel like who you are what makes you lose track of time what's when's the last time that your efforts and intentions felt so incredibly pure of heart that had no agenda or need for it to work and no fear of the noise or the input from other people and for me that's writing for me that's these poems and for me it's spending hours constructing and conceptualizing a, a miniature world that prior to the brainstorm session never existed um much like my book and uh it's it's just been an incredible process to see how you know even though i complain about how these efforts don't make me money and even though this podcast has been a lot of work at times the relationship i've developed with you guys the amount i've learned from having to sit here and face myself and talk to myself as if somebody's asking me the questions i so often don't want to ask myself the way i've gotten to speak about topics that i was probably too embarrassed to bring up to my friends because they're very rooted in specific 90s niche interests or boy bands or reality tv or daily mail or my daily neuroses or deep Taylor Swift dives. I mean, I don't I don't know about you guys, but I've tried to sit down and have these conversations face to face about Taylor Swift. And when somebody's like, oh, it's so annoying, she writes her songs about all the guys she dates to sell more albums. And then I look at them deadpan and I'm like, Taylor Swift does not build linear narratives. She builds treasure maps. And they're like, Whoa, easy there. I don't know anything about her. Is she still dating that kid from Twilight? And then I just like, you know throw my napkin and walk away dramatically like Aviva after she put her leg on the table at the Cirque. I get so upset. <laughs> and, um, I don't know. I guess my point is I'm so grateful for you. I'm so thankful for your feedback and your words. I'm so thankful for you returning every week. And I am so personally grateful for being given the chance to articulate all of the g- the quirks that i've for so long pushed down because they didn't really have any relevance in my day-to-day life and the weird part is until i started doing this i didn't even know i was way more focused on the necessity of my efforts in terms of how they fit in the world in a conventional set sense and less concerned with just the the joy <laughs> That certain things bring to your life, and if you're a person like me who, who has a more of a melancholic disposition, y- you have to find joy and you have to grasp it, and you have to use it and you have to keep doing those things because happiness is long-term. happiness is a very abstract, confusing process that I think people think is a destination of some sorts but but joy is in the small moments, it's in the bursts, it's in the day-to day it's in the collection of small things you can do that you look forward to that you lose track of time doing that renew your energy and i think for me amidst the intensity of being an entrepreneur of of trying to build something even though i theoretically was living a dream in a sense and doing what i wanted to be doing i wasn't seeking sources of joy i was that to me wasn't Streamlined enough, wasn't an efficient way to practice my business. That to me was an exterior fluff that wasn't adding value ultimately to what I was doing, only to realize that life isn't that simple in a formulaic sense. And that just because you can't figure out where doing the things you like or that bring you joy fits into success in a commensurate sense, where it uh, contributes to some sort of roi you need to calculate just because it doesn't fit nicely into that sort of model that helps you determine if you're doing well or not doesn't mean that it doesn't have or doesn't yield a, a chain reaction or a ripple effect or it, it doesn't just create a more hospitable environment to have good ideas to feel inspired to be nicer to people to approach your business with a clearer mind I think that we're so quick to write off our, our interests and our quirks if they're not contributing to what we think is our end goal when the reality is those are the things that are going to get you there. Because I could talk to the most impressive business person in the world, and I'm sure I'd learn a thing or two. It's, it would be a great networking opportunity. It would be a fine time having an intense, dry business discussion. But when I think about life and I think about my future and I think about those moments of fleeting joy, I, I, I want to be at the table with people who are fun, who are nice, who are unapologetically who they are, so long as they're not hurting other people, who have empathy for other people, who take themselves and their job seriously, but not in a way that is designed to intimidate you, to make you feel lesser. I, I want to be sitting with the people. Who have a story, for better or for worse, of the chances they took, of the mistakes they made, of the people they've met, of those transformative moments in life where everything you thought you knew turns on its head. I want to be with, at the table with people who are experts in their own right at the, in the field of living, not necessarily life, in the business of making people feel better after they talk to you and not worse. I'm tired of metaphorically speaking at the large catered banquet dinner of life i'm tired of worrying if i'll be at a good table or not and i want you to just start coming from a place of the the best table is the one where you're sitting because you know better than anybody else if it can't be a good experience make it a hell of a story how important it is for you to feel welcome and comforted and like there's a safe space when somebody's open with you so why not be to them and the importance of above any judgments prejudices feelings we have the the importance of being human and to have the power to change somebody's day with words with a smile with a reaction is so incredibly powerful and if you're able to just take a step back and to stop feeling like you're insignificant and you're unlucky and that you haven't been dealt the best hand, or you know all of the things we feel in our worst days. If, if you can realize that actually it's quite the opposite, and we may not have the power to control what's in our minds and and what we think and how we feel, but we have the power to do that for other people. And the more you do that, the more people do it for you, and the better off you are. And I think for me through this podcast, I didn't even know that at my lowest point and trying to thread together small uh, threads of joy each day for me personally and communicating them to you that you would ultimately be getting something out of it too and in this weird convoluted very long-term way it's just made me so much more content and so much more inspired and got me out of such a rut that I wish I could give you a formula for but honestly it just starts with doing more of the things you like taking a lot less advice from people that are doing the things they don't and making sure that no matter what you're becoming the person that you want to be sitting next to at the table. And inevitably, you will be attracting more of those people in the process. And all of you are the people that I would be so stoked to be sitting next to. And if you're a person that genuinely doesn't believe you're interesting, you are sorely mistaken because even the fact that you have the introspection and the intense emotional self-awareness of thinking that you're a work in progress means that you've been through shit that's interesting. Never forget, everything is interesting. Only boring people get bored. So I look forward to finding the extraordinary and the ordinary with you. As long as you'll let me. And thank you. Truly thank you. Whether or not you'd invite me to your Friendsgiving. Whether or not you like everything I say. All that matters to me is that you showed up. So with that, I I, I gotta get to step in. I'm not gonna explain this outro. Because... If you get it, you get it. It just felt appropriate. So, anyway, as always, let me know your thoughts and I will let you know mine. I'll be there in five. I swear.